Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. I am your host, comedian, improviser, and writer, Corey Willis. And with me is... Hey, this is John Lapore. I'm a creative director focused on designing the future for technology products, insane movies, and really fast cars. Yeah, that's right, baby. Uh, we are... Uh, doing the f1 files podcast uh what we've been doing for the past couple of weeks is just assessing the race weekend but since there was no race this weekend we are not going to be assessing it uh instead we're going to get caught up on the news which oh boy is there some hot hot news here in the united states as a formula one fan which is what we focus on here. Uh, the, the podcast is uh, just a couple of casual childhood uh, buds who happen to be Formula One fans. And uh, we normally just talk about uh, how, how, how much the fandom is growing here in the U.S. And this past week, we had a full-on official announce uh, uh, of the Las Vegas Grand Prix happening in 2023. Uh, that's right. The the showdown in the desert. The there there are going to be so many terrible so so many so gambling terrible. metaphors. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's going to be yeah yeah. Uh, here, here I, we go, boys. We're going to put put your cards on the table. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. All all yeah. Roll, it's a lot of rolling of the dice. Roll, rolling the dice into that corner. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Uh, can't wait um, to hear. Uh, Let, let's he, let's see who rolls the dice with tire strategy, uh, and like there will be a lot of groans. Um, I'm nominating Crofty as the one who who throws out that reference first. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a roll of the dice here. Uh, I'm the- hoping that there's going to be so much discussion of it in the lead up that like everyone's going to exhaust their. Their Vegas puns, Vegas metaphors, their Vegas garbage. And like they just start going into like really dark, like Vegas territory. And they just start to be like, oh, Max Verstappen's lunging into the corner looking like he reeks of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, better, better strap a strap a diaper on Pierre Gasly uh, <laughs> as he as he 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 takes another shot at the slots. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's, there's going to be a lot of that. I was thinking even like darker. Do people, do people, do people wear diapers at the slots? Is that a thing? John? Yeah. They, they roll, they, they, they roll on adult diapies and, uh, so wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Like, is that like, because is that a joke because they're elderly folks who are incontinent who are at the slot machines in Vegas, or is it because people are so glued to the slot machines? It's part it's it's a little part a a little part b and then uh, a little part c uh, a tribute to pierre gasly last weekend having like uh, d- damn near crippling stomach cramps um uh at the end of the last race he had to be helped out of the cockpit uh did you did you catch any of that i i missed all? i missed that all together and i was hoping that you were going to tell me that like it, it's a closely kept secret that pierre oh. gasly peed himself during the last race oh no no you you can hear like over the team radio you can hear pierre gasly being like oh no oh my, i feel like my insides are being stabbed like he was in like serious pain uh, the last several laps of the Grand Prix, uh, and on that track, it's like 
bananas to think that he was uh, distracted in any way uh, from from driving his car. I mean, like can you can you imagine that? being a formula one driver and just having like the slightest sort of like inconvenience like that potentially cripple your race like to be like oh i've got a contact lens that has the edge of it folding up on my eye right now and i can't really do anything about it for the next 90 minutes that happened to somebody i think it might have happened to like vettel or something like that where he got like something stuck in his eye like either early in the race or something like that, where it was just like anything that goes wrong in the cockpit of those cars when those those dudes are are strapped in for fifty plus laps of a Grand Prix, it can. I mean, that's like a day or ruin. like that that time that Felipe Massa had that like itch on his nose that he couldn't control, and so they told him just to drive right behind Rubens Barrichello until a piece of his suspension flew off and hit him in the face. Yeah, yeah. all planned, all planned. Brilliant, um, brilliant team strategy. Oh, oh God. Uh, speaking, of, speaking. I mean, uh, I don't mean to get so dark so quick, but just a little bit more <laughs> reflection on on the, the Abu Dhabi, or not the Abu Dhabi, sorry, the, the Saudi Arabian grand prix there was a i saw like a side by side or like a top and bottom picture of mick schumacher's car and Ayrton senna's car uh and like the way that those cars came to rest and the damage to those vehicles is like near identical and it's just it was like one of the most haunting wow images uh and it was after Ayrton had been removed from from the car um but it was just this like just this huge reminder of like these dudes are putting themselves at immeasurable risk but also the 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 advancements in safety are 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 just i mean again like i mean i'd say immeasurable but they're perfectly measurable in this circumstance where they they both collided with the wall at great speed suspension was like uh, suspension components were broken apart from the car. The tire basically and suspension assembly were basically in the cockpit uh, of Mick's car, but the halo kept it from actually reaching him completely. So just all those things of like, oh, wow, yeah, uh, all the safety measures work. The car is being heavier because there are safety reinforcements because they changed the fuel cell after uh roman's crash last year uh at, at bahrain just all those things of like oh they're making great strides and they all matter um yeah so sorry sorry to get so dark so fast but we got to reflect a little bit on the all right, all right. so yeah, yeah. so so in, in joyous news yes yes yeah we yeah. we have the glittering glamorous las vegas grand prix officially on the calendar yeah for 2023 Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a shocking piece of news. We've known that this was on the way, uh, but in the formal announcement, we got a couple yes. new pieces of crystal clear information. We can touch on each of them briefly, but then the new key elements that were put out there were the track configuration, which yes. we should talk about a little bit. Yes. We have the date and time uh, sorry, we d- actually don't have the exact date. No, we, we have don't have the, the exact day of we we have the approximate day of the week and time, which is somewhat unconventional. Yes, um, and then a little bit of like you know extra insidey baseball sort of stuff around how uh, Formula One and the FIA are handling uh, some of the 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 aspects of the race. So uh, starting with 
the track. Yeah. Uh, not shocking, but still to me a a major feat of engineering to be undertaken in the time between now and when this race unfolds, which is approximately a year and a half, a smidge more. And that is that the race, uh, basically half of the track is the Las Vegas strip. One of the single most significant and, and noted pieces of roadway in the United States, in the world. In the, um, maybe, and, maybe and, in the world. Yeah. 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 And I think that's pretty, that's pretty spectacular. Las Vegas. Uh, have, have you spent much time in Las Vegas, Corey? I've spent z- like almost no time in Las Vegas. I've, I've driven through it several times living in California and uh, traveling. I've traveled to and from Utah several times uh, and stopped over in Vegas, but never actually spent any real time. I've driven on the strip, though, uh, at mm-hmm. night. And yeah. it is truly, as someone who's not big into gambling and is not big into like Vegas culture, per se, uh, I was just absolutely smitten with it. Just drive. Yeah, it makes like, it, it makes you want to climb experience. out of the. Yeah, makes you want to climb out of the sunroof of your your stretch pink Hummer. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and just look <laughs> at look at all the lights and and whatnot. And yeah, uh, I, I've I've been tell, to tell the I've, gals I'll catch up with the bachelorette party later. Yeah, yeah, yeah ex- whole, exactly, exactly. Whole nine, yeah. It's. Uh, uh, I have, uh, I've, I've had numerous disgusting occasions spent in Las mm-hmm. Vegas, almost, uh, I think every single time for like trade show kind of stuff. And the right. whole idea of trade shows or any event that's held in Vegas is it's like you spend, you know, the minimum amount of time of the day doing the thing that you're like supposed to do there. And then you spend the rest of your time eating at wild restaurants and going to shows and yeah. Uh, you know, gambling uh, your your heart out if you if you so desire, and even if you're not into that, there's all sorts of other crazy stuff to do there. Uh, but it is the it is like I mean, it's what you if you haven't been to Vegas, it's exactly what you would expect, and it's yeah, both it's both exciting and absolutely disgusting. But I always sum it up like this: like the first time I went, I was a relatively young man who was invited to. Uh, be a part of a, a trade show thing, which meant I had my my room and my flight and everything all paid for. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'm a rock star. This is amazing. <laughs> like this is so this is so cool. I I, you know, settled into my hotel room at the MGM Grand and I Ooh. sauntered out onto the casino floor. Uh, you know, being like, yeah, I'm, I'm th- like right there. That's where, you know, uh, uh, Tupac got, got into an altercation <laughs> moments before being murdered, you know, like yeah, this is, I can't, I'm living yeah. the dream here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, walked right up to the ATM being like, this is it. I'm going up to this bad boy and you know what? I'm not going to take out 40 bucks. I'm not going to take out 80 bucks. I'm going to take out $100 and I'm going to let myself just set this money on fire in this That's casino. Ultimately what you're doing is setting that money. Yeah, I, I knew yeah. I knew I knew what I was there for, but I was like they they paid my way. This is all good. 100 bucks. I'm just going to dive right into the deep end of the pool and I went up to the ATM and you know, I put in my card and blah, 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 blah. And it's like what denomination would you like? 300, 500, 800 <laughs> or other? And I <laughs> 
And I immediately was just like, oh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm so far from suge-nighting my way through Vegas in the way that I was like 90 seconds ago. Oh, that's great. Uh, that's great. That's, that, that is in, intense. I definitely, so uh, uh, I, I haven't spent any time really in Vegas, but I, I, uh, I have... I have seen opulence in that regard. I've been over to the United Arab Emirates and seen uh, the, an ATM mm-hmm. machine mm-hmm. that dispenses gold. Uh, now, wow! Uh, it's it. I was like, oh, that's like a that's a novelty, right? Um, and uh, and and my buddy uh, was like, no, 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 you can absolutely go get gold out of that machine if. You have a few thousand dollars uh, uh, that you want to just have in gold. Um, and I was like, I, there's no, uh, that would be all of my money. And no, thank you. Um, but yeah. That's I, so I, amazing. I, 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 that's, and I think that's like the spirit of, of Vegas is just you go there and you ball out. And I think that there's no better sport and no better time frame. It's three days. I mean, I've heard. I, I, as someone who's yeah. never really spent any time in Vegas, three days yeah, no, is that's, what everyone that's, says. That's a hundred percent it. It's, that's it. It's you roll in, you're filled with excitement, and on the way, like every single cab driver will like interrupt you in the middle of the sentence of like, "Get me to the," and then they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know. Get me to the airport. I'm never coming back." Uh, yeah, everybody says that. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, and and you know like. Las Vegas, you know, Formula One has its opulence, and I feel almost the same way about it as I do about Las Vegas. Like, there's aspects of Formula One's opulence that I'm I'm kind of smitten by, and and I yes. appreciate some of the the glamour. And then there's like other aspects of it that I'm just like, oh, this is such a disgusting waste of resources, and like, the, what a way to make a sport that's so unobtainable or un. Uh, you know, inaccessible to so many through this lens of of insane, over the top extravagance and whatnot. But, but, uh, but nonetheless, speaking, spe- speaking of uh, accessibility, uh, let's talk track layout. Let's talk track layout. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So so the the strip is great. Very very happy with that. I've seen a lot of complaints about the fact that it is not really a typical formula one track but i have to say as a person who lives in the united states of america one of the biggest draws of motorsport is a oval track and if you look at this vegas layout it is about as close to an oval track as any f1 track that i've seen outside of like the the red bull ring because <laughs> uh, the red bull ring is just like right. You know, it's got like a couple of uh, of 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 turns that are um, left, uh, but it's mostly like right hand turns, um, which is the opposite. You know, I know that NASCAR is all left hand turns. That's the joke or whatever. But hey, I don't I don't hate this track layout. I really don't. I think it's going to be. No, and I, I, I don't think it's even like when I look at it, I don't see it as much as like, oh, that's an oval with a couple kinks as just like. That's a track that has some insanely long straightaways. Yeah, there's uh, built be into some, it. Oh man, if that if the Ferrari can dial in their straight line speed, then I think that whoever they're matched up against uh, by by that time, they are going to just absolutely dominate them because their mm-hmm. Ferrari is so strong in these uh, in these in these slow corners. Um, 
uh, and and the high speed corners as well. That if they can figure it out in the straight line, they're not going to really be stoppable um, uh, this year, uh, let alone next year when everyone's kind of locked in. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I I dig this layout. I really do dig this layout. I think it's a it's a really cool looking track, and it's going to run through. Uh, the 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 new part of Vegas, and it's going to run through like the skyscraper parts and the casino parts. Um, but it is also going to offer some like technical turns. There's some really mm-hmm. gnarly turns down there. Uh, like uh, what is that turn? What one and two and th- like all those turns down there. That's that's going to be tricky. That's going to be really tricky. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see that and just to see those cars blast down the Vegas strip on a straightaway. Yeah, it'll oh, it'll be oh, a it'll it'll be sensational and I think it's worth noting that it really does seem and you mentioned, you know, you made a comparison to Abu Dhabi and I think mm-hmm. that's absolutely fit and I think the sense that I'm getting is that Formula 1 is leaning really hard into this as potentially being a key like signature race of the whole season if not the signature race this, of the whole yeah. season like they're they're gonna have to come up with some silly name like if if monaco is the crown jewel of the formula one season uh the las vegas grand prix is the cigarette butt stuffed yes, exactly. into the the into the into the coin return change on the atm that wouldn't uh you know fire out yeah uh, bills that uh, I could that I could even afford. Jesus Christ! Um, um, yeah, I, we'll, I, we'll I, workshop I, it. We'll come up with something a little better than that. I'm sure they're going to come up with something really, really silly and really dumb. Um, like it'll be. Well, well the, I, I already know. saw something. They said they had uh, what happens. They had some version of what oh, happens boy. in Vegas stays yeah. in Vegas. It was like, but it was like this. Yeah, that, it's 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 there going to be so many ham fisted attempts at this that it's um I'm I'm looking I'm both looking forward to it but also not looking forward to it. Uh, there's going to be a lot of eye roll uh, moments. Um, All right, so speaking of eye roll moments, yeah, um, I'm I am getting a sense that some of the uh, and it's probably just you know I. I have no, I I am not trying to position. I'm I'm all in on this race. I think this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited about it, and I'm not trying to position myself against anyone who is anti this race or make it seem as though there's a large number of people that are against this race. But it does seem like there are some in the uh, European Formula One, you know, fan base that are starting to be like. Jesus Christ, guys, like we're already at three races in the United States. You know, that's what right. About, uh, we we don't return. have a proper German Grand Prix. You know, it's the return, um, baby. It's the return of the crown. We uh, in the United States, there is no other country on the planet that has ever held three Grand Prix in the same yeah. season except the United States of America. So uh, it's, I, I have to say that it is this like really silly bragging, right? Um, that has no real meaning whatsoever, but it is like a point of pride as an American uh, F1 fan. I'm like, well, I yeah, saw, I saw there was, right. there was a, a, right. a revised uh, 2023 formula one schedule. And it was like, race one, Phoenix race yeah, two, Denver, funny. you know, yeah, and, uh, right. and I, I, 
I love that. And, and I mean, like I can appreciate folks getting a little frustrated or whatnot, but I Absolutely. have, I have no, I have no sympathy because we're in, you know, we're in formula one, no man's land. So I will take anything that I can get and be Truly, super happy to have it. Let, let's so we're, that's what we're going to talk about here uh, is kind of the history of of F one in the U S. But but let's let's button up this Vegas talk real quick. So you you had mentioned that uh, Formula One has changed the way that they're going to be basically marketing Formula One, uh, not Formula One as a sport, but this race so specifically. The, so in, typically, in, the individual race promotion is the responsibility of the the you know municipality that is hosting the event and it's a it's always been honestly the the deal between formula one and the fia and the folks that put on the races or that host the races has always been an unbelievably contentious sort of it's like sort of you thing. have to agree to spend it's it's the the i think like the specific language i don't know what it is with liberty capital but i know that one of the things with like the race in Jersey and like the race that like was supposed to happen uh, early on in the U S when, when Bernie uh, um, was, was running things uh, the the lang like basically the idea was like, you have to agree to spend tens of millions of dollars of specific marketing dollars governed by F1 mm-hmm. and the FIA. Like they have final say on the marketing and you have you have to spend this money or you're fined a ridiculous amount of money i mean just like yeah the most stupid amount of money that would basically bankrupt these municipalities so yep. that is that was the agreement prior to liberty capital which is now this they're the ones who run the the marketing of f1 uh in the world they are an american company i don't know if there's like some sort of weird sweetheart deal that's being worked out because they're an american company and they're holding a race in the u.s uh so i I don't know um but yeah that that is (laughs) that's wild so it's yeah and i mean it's 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 pretty interesting to see that formula one wants to you know promote this themselves they want to eat that cost but i think it also speaks to how important this race is to formula one and to you know presumably their intention of continuing to further their growth in their most untapped market in the world certainly the united states um so another interesting aspect of the race is when it is going to be held we're still waiting for an official date it's uh, Mm -hmm. it's almost certainly going to be Thanksgiving weekend, which I think is kind of bizarre because uh, in the United States, everybody's traveling everywhere. Uh, it it's is. a and it's technically, you know, it's it's traditionally a time that you're dedicating to spending with your families. But I guess suppose in in theory, the thank the holiday of Thanksgiving is on a Thursday. The race weekend would begin on a Friday, yes. and that would you know presumably be like well i'm already off for several days let me uh let well, me now and, fly to fly to vegas and as someone who uh who quite literally uh flew to abu dhabi or i flew to dubai um thanksgiving weekend and missed thanksgiving mm-hmm. with my family uh to go to an f1 race uh in in the middle east my family Bravo. was like 
No, Bravo. you do that. That's the smart thing to do. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. We know it means so much to you. You go, you have fun. You tell us how it was. You take pictures and tell us how it was. And I did. I took a lot of pictures and told them and talked to them on Thanksgiving. But it was great to celebrate Thanksgiving in the Middle East. <laughs> um, so as like a dedicated fan, I think you will be willing to dip out on your family at you know mm-hmm. on the Friday that you don't have to go to work anyways. Like you can just go to Vegas. Like that is such, I I mean, it is like the sweet, like it's like the, hey, we know you had other plans, but like you're going to blow a bunch of money anyways, probably going to like a Black Friday door break, you know, door busting deal. (laughs) So just fly to Vegas. We'll offer cheap flights. I'm sure there's going to be cheap flights domestically. Uh, Vegas is an international hub. Like people, it's... they could well, have let me Christmas put this weekend and it would still right, right. be a sold out and, race, you know? And I think, I think the other, the other thing is I would expect that it's going to draw a significantly larger international audience massive than, international the, crowd. than, than any other race. Exactly. Um, because exactly. of the international nature of the venue and it's, you know, and, and so the other, the other thing that I think is a huge downside for fans like you and I is that I would expect that this is going to be the most expensive Grand Prix of the year as ob- unobtainable to, you know, attend and, and be a part of or get any valuable experience out of as, you know, Monaco uh, to the, to the layman, you know, yeah. and it'll, it will be something that is best experienced through, you know, uh, even general admission tickets that will be more expensive than the Miami tickets, which have to be the most expensive ones of, of the season right now. Yeah. And, you know, and only, and, and even that will still only get you a, a car blasting by you on uh, Las Vegas Boulevard. And, you know, the, the best experience will be reserved, you know, primarily for the mega VIPs. And, exactly. And whatever Ooh. sort of setups that, that yeah, I'm sure each of the individual casinos that are along the strip are going to have some elaborate way of creating, you know, a, a casino, um, you know, hybrid hospitality, some sort of setup. It'll be like the yeah. whole race will be effectively the paddock club, the paddock club being the uh, the mega luxurious Formula One experience uh, that that's only for mega high v- VIPs. Well, I, that's that's part of the 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 setup that they've got going on there. Is I'm interested to see where they're going to put the the paddock itself, where they're going to put pit lane, uh, and where they're yeah. going to have the pit garages on Las Vegas Boulevard because <sighs> it's it's wide, but it's i i think they're i sense that they're tucking that stuff away on the other corner of the track or when they basically start going around effectively the backside of some of the casinos that are on las vegas boulevard okay um i think Hmm. i think the i think the super long las vegas boulevard straight is not the start finish straight that will not be wow oh right yeah because it does look like Turn one and two is way down, like weirdly in that, like, yeah, yeah it's um, somewhere deep in the elbow on the on the on what would appear to be the backside of the track. Yeah, but that will so I that'll guess, be, be the be the front. The pit. The Las Vegas so Boulevard will be, will be the will be the the quote unquote back straight 
of yeah. Uh, wow, what a weird turned around scenario. Uh, I mean, it's hey, whatever it takes to to race in Vegas. Yeah, uh, and if you look at look at like Monaco, the way that the Monaco pits are set up, if you it's it's such a weird backwards way of looking at pits. Um, uh, yeah, and and they'll pack it in there. And I at first thought I was like, geez, how are they going to fit you know grandstands and all of this stuff? But Las Vegas Boulevard is. Like it's like four or five lanes wide. It's massive in both directions. So yeah, know, so you'll have one whole other side of the street that's not even being used on the other side of you know not the median mention, or or whatnot. Not to mention the casino parking lots and like not the casino parking lots, but like the casino entrance ways uh, are like ripe for just you could just plop grandstands right in there all along the way well I, yeah and i wonder how that's going to work are the casinos because i mean the casinos main entrances would all be going into either the the main straight or the back of the grandstand yeah. or the back of the pits or whatever i guess they'll they'll be doing some very careful funneling of traffic but whatever i mean uh, anyways it's all it's all to me impressive that they're like bending over backwards to host this to accommodate this yeah. event and I think it's you know it 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 perfectly ties in with uh, some some interesting aspects of Formula One's personality. Uh, last unique bit about the race: uh, it's going to be at eleven p.m. Sorry, ten, 10 p.m. Uh, 10 local PM. time. Yeah, ten yeah. p.m. local time in Las Vegas, which is that is a very late night race. Uh, yes. That is many many hours after it is fully dark out. And I presume they are pushing it that late only so that the European fans will be able to see it, you know, yeah. over a very early morning breakfast. I think it's, you know, six or, or 7 a.m., depending on where you're located, well, uh, that you'll be. It's that plus it's the desert. Um, uh, it's the, the the location of it. So track temperatures, much like Bahrain and uh, Saudi uh and Abu Dhabi, uh, they all need to be run at night because they are desert tracks. And like, yeah. And I mean, thank goodness for late November as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll still be, it's still really, really hot in Vegas at that time of year. I mean, the weird thing that most folks don't fully get, and I didn't get this until I moved out here from the East coast of the U S was that summer is delayed. So like we don't hit our summer temperatures mm. until mid September to like early October. So a race that is happening in mid November to late November is still going to be very very hot. Um it will be very hot there. So I think it's smart that they're having it at night. And then also you can't really take advantage of the venue unless you do it at night. You got to see I mean I've driven through Vegas during the day and I've driven through it at night and there's the, there's no comparison. Um, the, yeah. that the strip oh, at night is just, yeah. it's, it's unlike anything. It's the most visually stunning thing I've ever seen. Uh, and I'm like, I've, I haven't seen the grand Canyon. I haven't seen the great wall, but I've seen some pretty majestic natural beauty and going to Vegas. I had that same sense of like overwhelmed visual stimulation. You just can't take mm-hmm. it all in at the same time. So I think doing it at night makes sense. Uh, and it, yeah, I think it's, it is kind of for the European audience too, because it's like, Hey, we're doing a race in the States. We're doing a third one instead of bringing it to a Europe back to the European circuit, uh, or Germany. Cause Germany does deserve a race. Germany absolutely does deserve a race. 
Um, maybe if Mick wins and starts scoring some serious points, maybe fighting for a championship, they'll really get a race. Uh, it's kind of what happened with his dad when Michael started winning. Mm-hmm. That's when Germany got a race again. Um, so, but I, I think that ultimately the U.S. does deserve this third race. Uh, because it is the market that is the most untapped. It is the one that could easily grow the most out of all the markets. Yes. Um, that uh, as far as like per capita wealth, uh, that it's it's just it. There's no other place on the planet that it makes sense to have another race. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I know that that's gross, but it is all about the money here. So that's that's why it's happening. Um, yeah. Anything else to, to discuss with this Vegas race, Johnny? I don't think so. I'm stoked. I I think it's going to be exciting. It'll certainly be a spectacle. And I think it's, it's another spectacle that even, even if Las Vegas was in another country, I would like to think that it'll, it would be so exciting and dramatic that it would raise formula one's profile in the United States. And, uh, the fact that it is here, It'll it'll be great for the sport in the U.S. So uh, um, I'm on board. Yeah, I think so. I I I think it'll be great for him. Uh, I think it'll be great for fandom in general. Um, and it'll make it'll make it seem like the U.S. fan base is more serious uh, because it'll give another chance for the international fan base to experience U.S. fandom. Um, because they'll be here and they'll see it and they'll see how wild we all go for it. Not all of us, but mm-hmm. those, how, how wild the fan base and ravenous the fan base is here. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. So let's, uh, let, let's, let's use this opportunity here to, uh, to pivot and, and chat a little bit about what happened <laughs> in the U S with formula one. Why is it so like, why does it have such like a weird, uh, not <laughs> reputation, but like such like a like dismissed reputation? Like we we just the U.S. fan base has never really been looked at as a serious thing, and U.S. motorsport fandom has never looked at Formula One as a place that they can uh, uh, participate, where they can be, where they can choose a favorite or where they can just choose to to show up and be a fan of the sport um yeah what 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 do you think what just uh as as a fan of motorsports here john what what are your thoughts so all right so there's there's a decent history of formula one racing in the united states Mm -hmm. and I, you know, it's, it's raced semi consistently through formula one's history at, at one point or another, or one location or another in the U S. Um, I think there's a few of those that have been kind of notorious, uh, here, here and there. Um, there was previously a Las Vegas race that was held in, in the parking lot of uh the caesar's casino which is which what is it is just kind of a weak weak showing for such a you know and and this is in earlier days where the sport was not as big of a spectacle as it is today but uh from what i understand it was a pretty uh pretty uninteresting and unexciting venue to hold a race well it was uninteresting and unexciting and then also 
because it was a it was a race that happened during the daytime in the Las Vegas desert drivers yeah. were like were struggling i mean to say to put it mildly they were uh people were near exhaustion and uh it was awful uh, uh drivers complained like crazy because they can't drive those cars that are already so hot uh with absolutely no insulation and no cooling whatsoever and they're driving in each other's heat filled wakes in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the day. Like, yeah, that, that sounds like a nightmare of a race, um, Mm -hmm. to drive and and to watch. Like, why would you go to a desert parking lot? I don't care if it's in Caesars, who cares? Like I wouldn't, I don't care. I don't know. So, uh, to me, the most notorious of races in the United States, and it's one that always stuck in my memory because it, it, also preceded a very long period of of no races in the mm-hmm. United States, um, which was the 2005 United States Grand Prix held at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a epic cathedral of motorsport yeah. history. I mean, it's and the, it, on this continent, there's no other than like Darlington. There's no other place on this continent that people look at with reverence when it comes to motorsport. So like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Daytona. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, But like Indianapolis, I mean, it's the brickyard. Uh, They they brick uh, running through the middle of the track because it's a legend because it's legendary. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so. Un- very unfortunately, there was an enormous debacle. I won't go mm-hmm. too deep into it, but effectively, um, there uh, at this point in Formula One, there were multiple tire manufacturers. Yeah, um, and we had uh, basically we we had a, a incident during I think it was either practice or qualifying, and it was I, I think it was, it was a practice session. I believe it was a practice session. The first- the first time it happened was in in a practice session. So uh, Ralph Schumacher had a tire failure on his Michelin tires mm-hmm. in comparison to the Bridgestone tires, which uh, I don't know, one third of the grid were using the Bridgestones. Uh, Two thirds of the grid were using the Michelins. And yeah. effectively, two thirds of the grid all made a pact with each other that the Michelin tires that were provided to them were not safe, were not reliable, and they refused to start the race. Yeah. So this and is just just a, a just a, a brief uh, technical uh, a glimpse into what was happening with those tires. So they were failing uh, because there are banked turns at Indianapolis, and literally what was happening is when the tires would get up to a certain temperature because of the gravitational forces, because of the lateral gravitational forces these tires were experiencing in those bank turns, they were just failing. And like when they would fail at huge speeds on bank turns, these were like 180 to like 200 mile an hour crashes. Like, so it wasn't like mm-hmm. a, like, Oh, my tire shredded and fell apart. And I limped to the like side of the track. It was like your tire fails. You go into the wall at 200 yeah. almost 200 miles an hour and maybe get airborne and caught in a fence like yeah yeah so that was that's why two-thirds of this field were like we're not we're not racing on these tires are you crazy we're not doing that 
for 50 laps like no way we're not doing that for one lap if it's happening at one lap what's going to happen at lap four or five or six or 10 or 30 so so that was a black mark for the whole sport but Mm -hmm. even particularly for formula one in the united states um now luckily by 2012 uh that was the first year that we had the united states grand prix held in austin texas at a yep. purpose-built facility, the Circuit of the Americas. Um, I've had the opportunity to attend a race there. Uh, I've had uh, the best possible experience any Formula One fan could ever have, and I'll, I'll yes. dive into that at some point in the future and and give a a a, a you know walking on clouds sort of uh, guide of of my experience at the the Austin Grand Prix. But it's a it is an incredible facility. It's an incredible track, and I think we've had uh, some amazing racing there since 2012. And I don't, uh, you know, at least we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, it's it, I would be nervous if I was running uh, Coda, the Circuit of the Americas, seeing yeah. other United States uh, races pop up on the calendar. But I think it's become a, a pretty significant part of the Formula One season. To, to be fair, Coda is still the only purpose-built formula one track in the u.s so it the really miami is, track yeah. and the vegas track are both going to be street circuits so they're not yep. necessarily built i mean there are parts of literally you know there are parts of the miami circuit that are closed off and specific for motor racing but it will open up onto a more street circuit uh, uh on, on parts of driven road so i think coda will hold on to the title i think they will um i, I hope so uh I still have yet to be there. I have yet to go to one, but uh, I can't wait, and I hope they do. So let let's touch really quickly. There's there are other places that Formula One has raced in the United States yeah. in the past. They've uh, they've been to to Phoenix. They've yep raced at Sebring uh, at Riverside, which I'm not I'm I'm not even all that familiar with. Uh, yep, it's another to- another inland sort of inland, not inland empire, but like it's a it's it's in Los Angeles, uh, the suburban, the metro suburban Los Angeles area. Okay, okay. Um, I'd say there are some people from. So Riverside they raced. Like- they raced in the 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 canal that runs through Los Angeles that the <laughs> chase scene in Terminator two takes place yeah. in. That was yes, what they that's, did. That's yeah. That cool. Was, Perfect. That was, All right. That was that's, pit street. That's, yeah. I just um, wanted, yeah, I it, just wanted to make sure that it goes back. Uh, it goes back so much further than that though. Um, so we're, we're not going to go into like everything here, but, uh, I was pretty, I mean, as like a, a, a fan of the sport, I didn't know that much about it. I didn't know how many different venues we had here in the U S and how many like starts and stops, uh, and like failed and flailed attempts we had at holding not just like an American quote unquote Grand Prix or a U.S. Grand Prix, but like actual, uh, races that were part of the, the European and world circuit here. Uh, so the first one I saw was, this blew my mind that there is the first one was back in 1904. Uh, and it was the, the Vanderbilt cup was like the inception of like a formula series here in the U S. So they had like, kind of like the weight limits, um, and like kind of the basic formula that they had at the early part of 
the the first few Grand Prix that took place. Uh, but it was uh, Willie K. Vanderbilt uh, set this up, uh, and he was the grandson of uh, of Cornelius Vanderbilt, like the the magnate um, of the Vanderbilt Vanderbilts, and it was on Long That's Island. That's amazing. Like the track was in nassau long island like in nassau county i mean this is back in 1904 so it's still a bunch of farmland out there for the most part but it's so wild that they had it like on the streets of long island where it's like the first time that they had like proper motor racing here uh on uh, in the u.s uh so i just thought that that was that like blew my mind um also, the track was over 30 miles long, which is just like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? Those early tracks were all very long, but a 30-mile long track is just bananas to me. Um, but yeah, then uh, then there was like some other stuff in the Grand Prize era where they basically this was like kind of a weird crossover between the world championship of Formula One and then like American series and the Vanderbilt Cup and this like other weird <laughs> formula nonsense uh it bounced all over the place basically um much like the saudi grand prix and some of these other grand prix one of the first right. ones in the grand prize era the track was built in like a few months by slave labor basically <laughs> um oh man uh, in uh in georgia um which is just like a ooh it was convict labor it was labor by like people who were in, in Jesus, jail. but like slave labor, um, yep. which is just bananas. Uh, and that race was on Thanksgiving Day. That was like the only other time we've raced on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, other time, the only time I could see in the history of F1 that a race took place on Thanksgiving Day. And technically, it's not even F1, it was still the grand prize era or whatever. Um, but they ended up having races all over the place and kind of bounced around in SoCal. They went up to San Francisco and did one up there. Uh, and then uh, ended up finally uh, in Indianapolis. And that's when like Indy kind of started its run um, uh, with, with its races. So it's, it's bounced so, around. Yeah. So I've, I've left out one specific location. Cause I think it's uh, it's one of the most important, Got to save the best for last. Here. One is has, yeah. has been at, and yeah. is is one that's uh, very personally important to me, and that is yeah. uh, the almost twenty years that Formula One spent racing at Watkins Glen, which is in uh, upstate New York, or I should even say Western New York, right along uh, yeah. Seneca Lake, a beautiful part of New York State, and what I consider and it's a it's a big thing for me uh both my my father uh phil lapore shout out to phil and rick lapore right. uh his his brother my uncle are both uh, uh incredible racing instructors and they both consider their home track despite the fact that it's it, there might be other tracks that are a smidge closer here or there to be I mean, lime rock is absolutely closer uh yeah yeah lime rock's yeah. a little bit closer uh you know uh and but it's and not the same but it's not the same watkins glen is an unbelievable track and i've had the pleasure of of uh doing fast laps uh myself behind the wheel of watkins glen and it is uh, it is by far the most exciting track that I've ever driven and was and and for, you know, it's not even as big a deal for me. I, I think it's a really exciting track. But when I talk yeah. about 
uh, when I talk about it with my father or my uncle, they both get super misty eyed about it because it was where the, the grand prix was held. And, and in those days, uh, you know, they, they tell legends of attending the grand prix and it having, uh, in the, let's see, I, I believe it is the two corners heading into the main straight was where it basically became like a big old swamp and there was like a mini like Woodstock yes. super hippied out scene. The bog. Happening every, was, yeah, and at yeah. the bog. And yep, it was yep. just like, you know, uh, always like, oh yeah, and you could party over here and you could do this here and and whatnot. And it's, a, it's an awesome track. I'm pretty sure, uh, I think Sebastian Vettel at one point said it's the one track that he wished they could hold yeah. a Formula One race at. Uh, and there's incredible elevation change. Uh, there's a, effectively as much elevation change as you have in the Laguna Seca corkscrew, but you have it happening on basically both sides of the track. Um I still it's, haven't. I've never been to to what, but we also, having grown up in upstate New York and vacationed out in western New York and central New York, like I'm very familiar with just the the landscape and the topography out there. And there's, I can't think of a better natural place to put a racetrack than the, that part of New York. It's just so perfect. It's the the hills yeah. are so gentle, but also there is serious like elevation change out there, uh, especially on the backside of some of these like weird glaciated uh, like hills and rolling meadows and stuff. It's so cool. Um, and so and and I think that's the thing about Watkins Glen and and anyone that I talk to about it, almost everyone I know has the same affection for it and consider it. You know, if you if you do track days in the northeastern United States, it is the premier track of yeah. all of the the many tracks that are that are in this part of the country. And everybody will always say the same thing, which is just it flows. The track flows, and you can main. There is a lot of uh, technical cornering but it is all at almost almost exclusively all at very high speeds so and wh- it's why wouldn't so and this is like uh um i, I maybe i'm ju- I, I know i'm jumping ahead here but there's no way that f1 will ever come back to watkins Glen. um f f1 will never come back there's yeah. a there's a there was a great article that was written earlier this week uh kind of in response to uh the the announcement of the the las vegas race which is like only the geekiest f1 fans in the united states would are the ones that are like why are we doing a street course in las vegas when we could be racing at watkins Glen again yeah uh elizabeth blackstock at uh jalopnik wrote a, a great article Trust me, you don't want Formula One to return to your favorite classic venues. And it's basically all about like, it's not going to happen at Watkins Glen. Uh, Years back, um, we had in 2011, Mm -hmm. just as you and I were driving from the the Canadian Grand Prix back home down to New York City. uh, I remember what air smelled like i rem- <laughs> oh man oh i miss that was so that was incredible Whew. that was that was unbelievable we'll 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 have to do a, a memory lane slideshow on yeah. on that one uh at, yeah. at some point uh uh in 2011 
immediately after the race in Montreal, uh, NASCAR driver Tony Tony Stewart and Lewis Hamilton did a quote unquote seat swap, and they did yeah. it at Watkins Glen. They they let each other drive each other's cars because they were uh, they're both mobile. I think was yeah. Like it was it was sponsor. mobile one was the yeah. sponsor. Yeah, and, and every they, once in a while, they, that's what happens is they'll they'll do. Like when when drivers uh, from different motorsports uh, are are sponsored by the same companies, they will have these like um, the, the like these marketing events that are usually really corny and really cheesy, and you're like, ugh, okay, yeah, okay, we get that they're like buds, but they're not buds; they're just paid to hang out. But yeah, um, this seat swap was incredible it was i mean it was it was a really cool scene it was a really fun event and and just a and, and i think a clever marketing opportunity and and all of that uh mm-hmm. so my 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 old man uh went to check it out and uh and he 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 loves to tell the stories of like and then you see the the nascar guys sitting there wearing their you know all their nascar gear <laughs> and all of a sudden this f1 car goes down the track and it like blows their eardrums out of their skull <laughs> And, and whatnot he he was he's he's just giggling those guys they they thought they knew what was up but then this you know and and whatever so uh later that night i love your uh, impression of your dad's voice it's just so <laughs> it, just the most not what his dad sounds like uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm, well i'm trying to capture the spirit of what he was what he was feeling at the time but for him it's it's also like us as a like-minded formula one fan it was his yeah. opportunity to be like these fucking nascar guys had no idea what they were walking into yep. and they were blown away and they were excited and, and titillated by the sound of these shrieking uh, V8 engines ripping, ripping around Watkins Glen. So, uh, later that night, he does what he would do any night after uh, spending some time at Watkins Glen International, which would be you go and you crash at Seneca Lodge, which is it's like a mixed, it's like half cabins, half campsites. Mm-hmm. It is the like tiniest little. A uh, bit of accommodations and like literally the only accommodations. Like yeah, I was just going to say, the tiniest and only to, accommodations. Yeah, it's available. It's yeah. it's it's borderline a campsite, but they have uh, the Seneca Lodge uh, bar, which mm. is like a a Legendary. motorsport temple. You yes. go in there and it looks like uh it looks like every legendary racer walked into that place and exploded and stuck to the walls. Like there's like so much goddamn racing paraphernalia glued like on top of other suits, pieces helmets, of racing gloves, components everything. of cars that broke off on the track, actual parts that were sold to people who have been it's, donated to the lot. Like yeah. it's so it's, cool. It's, yeah. And it's a yeah. tiny, it's a tiny little place, but it's, it's always bustling after any, any event, whether big or small at, at oh, Watkins Glen. And so, uh, so cool. They're they're sitting there having you know having a lager or whatever, and they uh, ended up having a few drinks with the guys that were part of the McLaren team that were there bringing Lewis's car out. Now this isn't like his core engineers. This wasn't like his race mm-hmm. day crew. This was like almost like tier three McLaren car handlers, which are 
you know, still some of the finest goddamn engineers in <laughs> yeah. the entire world, right? Yeah. Um, but we're there to basically handle a totally separate car intended for, you know, promotional purposes and whatnot. But they were they were explaining immediately, like, you know, because because of course my dad, he's just like when what do you guys think wouldn't you love to race here as much as you could and they were like it's an amazing track it's incredible lewis loved it you know tony loved it like every everybody thinks it's an incredible experience driving the track but there's so many factors that in the modern age of formula one are requirements just like logistically to be able to get all the equipment to the track to be able to get the the number of people involved i mean there isn't enough accommodations in there aren't uh, enough beds. The Watkins there there's not enough beds, beds within yeah. a 50 mile radius to house even the the teams alone. Even, let even alone one team, like even yeah, the let, staff from one team would just completely overwhelm most. Let, yeah, let alone everything that it takes to put on the the rest of the logistics and the shipping and the security and the broadcast and all this and then yeah you know a uh, hundred thousand fans which is like the minimum required number of fans to, <laughs> yeah, to be able yeah. to support a, a race like this and whatnot and so uh unfortunately Watkins Glen is not in the cards uh, I'll, I'll still fantasize about it and uh and and not think to of mention it any the modern formula one cars I mean I guess maybe this generation would fit a little bit easier on that course but for the most part, like those mo- the modern Formula One cars, if you put twenty of those things on that track, that's not possible. They're like they're not going to be able to perform at peak because there's not enough space for them. Um, it's like one of the reasons why people complain about uh, um, uh, about going to Monaco is like those cars, like they fit on the track just fine and they line up one behind each other uh, just fine, but like overtaking possibilities are kind of slim and the quality of the track itself was also one of the reasons why f1 was like we're not staying here (laughs) since then the the track has been overhauled it received i don't know it was probably six or seven years ago it got a really thorough uh refurbishment and and whatnot but like it does it doesn't have it doesn't have pit side you know garages or or anything like that there would be so much other stuff that they would have to do uh but man it would it would be awesome because it is also it's such it is a purpose-built road course but it also has super unforgivable barriers like at almost 80 percent of the track has these these uh, these baby blue armco barriers around the edge which make any you know it's a very unforgiving track effectively uh um, I'll, I'll leave a, a, a buddy of ours unnamed who happened to put oh. a, a, a beautiful car oh. on its roof there after, after getting off the track, uh, being able to slide across the grass in what could have been an okay scenario yeah. and then tapped, tapped that blue arm co, which literally bounced the car onto its roof and damaged every single panel on the car. Poor it guy. Lo- it looked like uh, it looked like when you have like a like just like a, an old can, like just the oldest of old, um, <laughs> like uh, like tin can, like soda can uh, that ha- that's just been sitting in a garage forever. And then, like, if you were to take it and just like 
squeeze it ever so gently. Just every part of it was just like crumbled. Just every, yep. there was not a- I have no more, integrity left. Yeah, it was just, there was nothing. Yeah, that, that I remember, oh, poor guy. Oh, he's fine though. Um, And he got a new, he got a new- Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't even need to name the, the car, but we got a, we, he got a he's, new one. I, 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 I remember his phone call to me was just like, dude, I just, I just rolled my car at the Glen and- uh yeah. Within like six minutes, he was like, but I think I'm going to get, and he was, you know, yeah, already yeah. on to the next thing. So good, good for, and good for him. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Absolutely. we ended up going Absolutely. to, we drove to Lime Rock and, yeah, we, 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 yeah, yeah we ran in, Lime in Rock newer, together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, don't do too much bless, research because you're going to figure out who this person is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, bless, um, bless his heart. All right. All right. Corey, I got, I've, our, can I can I throw one last major yeah, question we, at you? One yeah, last yeah. segment that I want to yeah. fire your way, and it's Hit not the it's not my usual my usual my usual segment. I think is an easy one, which oh. is has Formula One stock gone up? I mean, this week, unquestionably. And I think, yeah, it's yes. it's yeah, yeah, sky, yeah, skyrocketed. It is. Uh, come on, what's the best gambling metaphor for the Formula One I stock? Mean, all I can think of has, is like crypto stuff. So it's like moonshotted. Has, it's like this has, is like, has put all its chips on yeah, Snake like, Eyes. It took the house. It took. There we go. It, it, it took, took the house. I like that. That's house. good. Yeah, That's good. Yeah. F one, F one took the house this this week. Um, but what's what's your real question? What's your actual real? All right. Question? So in in the United States and across the globe, Ooh. there's been one of the most significant events of our time on this planet. Uh, we basically have like you know the invention uh, of the the invention of the wheel. Yeah. We have landing on the moon. Yeah. And then uh, a, a week ago, I forgot you were a, a week. A week ago, while we were actually recording our previous episode of this podcast, uh, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in the face on on the Oscars. Yeah, and so Corey, I uh, I know that you have Jesus. been hyper vigilant in declaring that there was. I think it was a a twenty four hour window in which yeah. you were allowing <laughs> any and all takes. Yeah. On this, before all takes on the Will Smith slap would be forbidden. Submission, yeah, submissions were closed. The windows, all, all submissions would be rejected summarily. No excuses, no deadline, extensions. No so, nothing. yeah, I'd love to have a whole bonus episode where we just, you know, talk in, in the <sighs> yeah. most superfluous manner imaginable about these events. But instead, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what event is has been in Formula One history the equivalent of the Will Smith slap. I mean what has I, been Formula One's Oscar slap? I have to say it's it's we we mentioned it in this episode. We mentioned it uh earlier on just just a few short minutes ago. And I think it was the Indianapolis debacle of 2005. It was really just uh more almost the entire field refusing to line up on the grid. Like refusing to race i think was just a an embarrassing moment for f1 it was an embarrassing mm-hmm. moment for the sponsorships uh and i think that it did um and i don't i don't think that <laughs> i mean i'm in the entertainment industry it did not do irreparable harm to the entertainment industry i promise you the slap we're moving on so 
quickly from it. It's fine. We're incorporating it into like whatever. Um, it's fine. But I think that it did irreparable harm to F1 in the eyes of of motorsport fans who were willing to like give F1 a chance in the US. Uh, mm-hmm. so to see a whole because because NASCAR uh and like the NASCAR and like the truck series uh is built on so much machismo and so much like you just show up and you nut up and you like you do what you need to do to to race, right? Like you see the mm-hmm. checkered flag no matter what. And the fact that a bunch of pampered European manufacturers and race car drivers refuse to even show up at the start of the race because their cars could potentially fail on a track that like NASCAR runs on consistently and has never seen issues. Who cares about the technical aspects? No one cared about it then. I don't think people care about it now. Uh, I think that that did that. Like that was the slap in F1. Mm. I think, I think I, what about uh, you, John? I think what, that's, what, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good take. Um, I think I was thinking about it and my mind was going towards some of the most like dramatic that's ever gone down Mm -hmm. on track. And we've seen, you know, we've seen uh, championship contenders intentionally crash into each other. Yeah. Uh, We've seen all different forms of malicious behavior and whatnot. And then uh, my attention drifted almost immediately to the most like irrelevant and (laughs) worthless sort of exchanges that we've ever seen unfold in the sport. And like, you know, I'm having flashes of, uh, uh, who who was it that Kevin Magnuson, uh, told to, to suck his balls. Yes. Um, like in the middle uh, of an interview, uh, in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. He like yeah, it was Hulkenberg or someone came up to him and you know yeah, I sucked my balls, man. And I was like, mm, that that could be. But uh, yeah. for me, it unquestionably is the super tense, violent, no holds barred action that happened immediately after the completion of a Grand Prix. And uh, I I should know I should know which one this was uh but basically when lewis hamilton mm-hmm. uh won a race mm-hmm. where he was in intense competition uh oh and and how topical this was actually mm-hmm. yeah during uh a, a u.s grand prix yes it was uh 2015 yep and lewis hamilton beat his teammate nico rosberg and in the in the cool down room, uh, Nico, I'm trying to remember exactly how it went down. I believe Nico had accidentally picked up the Pirelli hat that said first place on it and was like putting it on. And Lewis Hamilton's, you know, coming in, clicking his heels together. He's so happy because he just won the race and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah. Nico is so he's so bummed. And Hamilton just goes like over so and he goes intensely to- angry, just so angry, just like the, o- and- the anger, the, the only the kind of anger that can be expressed by a German man who lives in Monaco, just like the yep. most yep. like 
just seething rage uh, existing within uh, Nico Rosberg in this moment. And then what happens, John? Uh, Lewis Hamilton picks up a hat to put it on, realizes it's the second place hat, which does not belong to him. No, 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 no. He, first he place. won the race. He is yeah, first place. He won yeah. the race. And so he takes the race and he's, or he takes the hat. And he sort of lobs it over to Nico to be like, oh, this is this is the one you're looking for. Second place. Not even and like you could tell he's like he's head in the clouds. He's won. You know, he's not even thinking about this. And Nico has the second place hat thrown to him and he takes it and he grabs it in his hand. <laughs> and he and he he flings it at Lewis Hamilton with such a level of hostility and aggression, it almost killed Lewis Hamilton. It could have hat. killed him. It could have it killed, him. killed him. It could have, that hat could have crushed his windpipe <laughs> or could have created a, a like a, a nosebleed that would be very difficult to stop. I'm, I'm imagining it John Apatow uh, when he tweeted, it could have killed yeah. him. Like the, the the intense look that John just had in his face, I think is what Judd Apatow was staring uh, at his phone um, with when he ty- uh, typed that out, tweeted it, and then promptly deleted it. <laughs> Corey, that hat is not purely fabric. It has a stiff brim, it but it also has a fully plastic snapback. That snapback could blind you for life. Not okay? to mention, there's little nubbies on the snapback thing that. They're, not to they're, mention the the laurels around the oh the laurels around that hat. Those are embroidered laurels. Those are raised <laughs> embroidered laurels. Those could do serious damage to your eye. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, the nubbies on the snapback mean it's technically serrated. Okay. <laughs> that's how vicious this is. So oh. that's, that's my, that is my okay. slap equivalent in, in formula one. I, I love, I love that moment for just how like petty and, you know, obscenely yeah. small. It makes these wonderfully huge heroes seem, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's a good. I, that's I, a good slap. Yeah. That's a good slap moment. Yeah, that's a good slap. It feels analog. feels appropriate to me. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, um, we've 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 gone on for way too long. We've clearly uh, worn out our welcome here. Uh, yeah, uh, folks. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us, uh, John. Where can the listeners um, and followers of the podcast find you online? Yeah, hit me up anytime on Twitter. My handle's at Johnny Motion. That's right. Nice. And uh, folks, you can find me at Burn Corey Burn on all the social media platforms. Uh, seek me out. Find me there. We also have uh, the F1 files on Twitter and on Reddit. So you can uh, reach out to us, track us down there. Um, tweet questions and comments at us there if you'd like. Uh, we love fans and, oh, baby, do we ever love haters. So um, <laughs> uh, come at us. Um, all right, folks. Uh, until uh, next week. Oh, we didn't do any sort of predictions for the, uh, the, the, the Melbourne Grand Prix. So we have the Australian Grand Prix coming up next week. And Johnny, who do you think is going to, uh, who do you think is going to surprise us next week? I think... I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed for another Leclerc Verstappen duel. Yeah. Um, but I, I would very happily settle for a Perez and Signs duel. 
yeah. uh, in in that place just to switch it up, just to spice it up. I think uh, Mercedes is still going to be trying to figure out what the hell they're doing. Yeah, yeah, they're not. They'll get new- there. They'll they'll they they will get there, but it's supposedly take a few more races. Supposedly, they're not bringing the floor update until uh, uh, until Monza, so they're not going to. Oh, uh, yeah, so we'll oh. see. We'll see. Uh, maybe maybe they'll find some sort of performance somehow, some way. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, I'm still sticking with my boy Carlos Sainz. I think that Carlos Sainz, he's dialing it all in. He's going to put it together. He's uh, he's right now uh, way up there uh, on the world championships uh, point tally. So uh, I'd like to see him stay there or maybe even go ahead of Charlie and, uh, and, and make it into the number one spot. I would love to see him uh, in that spot. He's just such a good, good dude. Um and uh, yeah, I'd like to see Charlie get in there too. I would love to see Alonzo podium. I still want to see him podium. Uh, it broke my heart to see him uh, DNF last uh, last race. But um, yeah, so uh, I'm going with Carlos. I'm going with Carlos this coming week. So um, I got Carlos. You got Charlie. Um, yeah, or you didn't actually predict Charlie. You just said you wanted to see uh, Leclerc and Verstappen battling i think we're i think we're gonna see leclerc in first place i think uh yeah. I, th- I i think max is still reeling and leclerc is super chill and i love yeah. it i'm here for yeah. it i'm here for that like incredible uh contrast between driver dispositions i think it's wonderful yeah it's good for the sport good for um in the same way that like lewis and max was good for the sport last year it was great to see just mm-hmm. two very different driving styles drivers and like uh, just experiences and 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 just just energies. It's so fun to watch this. Uh, all right, folks. Thank you so much for listening to us. If you made it this far, uh, hey, I'm gonna ask that people subscribe to the pod, tell a friend, uh, maybe even toss up a review. Uh, if you if you're if you're listening to us on the Apple Pods or if you're on Spotify, just throw us like a, a thumbs up. Um, yeah, uh, it helps with visibility and yeah, we'd love more people to listen. We've got a couple more people listening out there. I know we got a, a listener out there in, in France. I saw that we got a new French listener, mm-hmm. uh, and Ooh. we have, we have a listener out there in the Russian Federation. I'm not sure where, um, but yeah, so, so we got some, someone who's, who's found a way to listen to us who's starved for F1 action out there in Russia. Someone um, who's starved for F1 action, who has a lot of extra time on their hands now that they're not so busy driving yeah. in Formula One. Yeah, are you maybe. suggesting that that we've we've yeah. found our our very yes. hyper specific target audience? This whole thing is all about finding a way to communicate directly with Nikita Mazepin. If if Nikita, <laughs> if you're listening, get at us. We we want to talk. Uh, all right, you will be our we, only yeah, guest ever. We, 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 we would like to discuss some possible sponsorship <laughs> yeah, opportunities. Yeah, yeah if, you're, if your dad's mining company wants to sponsor the pod, um, uh, might next, have to get next, the money. But. Next, <laughs> next week on uh, the F1 <laughs> Files, we'd be like, welcome to the F1 Files. That was our theme song scored by Hans Zimmer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll just, yeah, uh, it's it will be a video based podcast um, uh, that like you'll see crazy production value. All right, folks, we're, we're, we're going on for too long here. Um, catch up with us. Catch up. Uh, here we go. Normal words. 
catch up with us <laughs> next time on the F1 Files.